0: Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity.
1: I'm Laura Palmer.
0: Uh Uh-oh. I'm doing my podcast today with a ghost. (laughs) A ghost. Are you Laura or are you Maddie?
1: Uh, At this point, they're both ghosts.
0: Oh, spoiler, that was... We're we're right off the bat. We're, we're just getting, we're getting there, into right. We are. Yeah. So I've already named this episode. I never name the episodes until I go to upload them, and today I am naming this episode Running Downhill. Probably Running Downhill Part 1 and Part 2 because... We're just going to get to the end of this uh, Twin Peaks murder mystery situation. <laughs> if it is
1: the last thing I do, I am it getting to the be. end It might be. This might segment. be it. This might be the, the... It has been really good being your friend. Of
0: the final <laughs> podcast, we're just going to bury yeah. ourselves after this in our yard. Okay, so what we did was we watched the last three episodes that we are going to partake in Twin uh-huh. Peaks at this point. In our lives, I think, unless you're sneaking episodes after I go to bed.
1: Yes, that's that's my next plan. Right?
0: Um, and we watched uh, episode thirteen, "The Orchids Curse," uh, which aired October twenty seventh, nineteen ninety. Episode fourteen, "Demons," aired November third, nineteen ninety. And episode fifteen, "Lonely Souls," aired episode tenth, nineteen ninety. And we are going to do. Uh, just a running downhill uh, recap of the storylines we've been following thus far and get that Laura Palmer mystery wrapped. Uh, can you please read us the three, count them, three <laughs> synopses? Would you like to
1: discuss each episode after? Uh,
0: let's, why don't you the just read threat. all of them downhill. and then, yep, downhill. Mm-hmm. Quickly.
1: All right. The Orchid's Curse. Cooper and Truman stage a raid on one-eyed jacks. Leland's court hearing begins. Donna and Madeline plot to steal Laura's secret diary from Harold Smith. Ben gets a business proposition from the mysterious Mr. Tojamura. And Shelley and Bobby reignite their relationship, even as the catatonic Leo lives under the same roof. Demons. Shelley and Bobby host a welcome home party for Leo. Cooper's boss, Gordon Cole, warns Cooper of threats from the Wyndham Earl. The Wyndham Earl. The Wyndham Earl. The Windham Earl. Josie strikes a deal with Ben. The one-armed man reveals some information about Bob, and Leland returns to work. Lonely Souls. Ben is brought in for questioning after Audrey confronts him about One-Eyed Jacks and passes the information to Cooper. Andy ponders the meaning of Harold Smith's suicide note. Financial pressures strain Shelley and Bobby's brief happiness. Pete learns Tojomura's plans. Ed's life continues to bewilder, as amnesiac Nadine thinks herself a teenager. The log leads Cooper to the roadhouse and a devastating message, and Laura's killer is finally revealed.
0: Maddie's given short shrift in that particular synopsis, but we'll get into that. So what we're going to do is, rather than do each episode individually, we're going to check in and check out with each of our... Plot lines that we've been following thus far, um, until we get to the Laura Palmer plot line, which ostensibly is what brought us all in, and that <laughs> is how we will go out. So I have this actually. I had my notes, uh, sp- and that, where I put um, Shelley and Bobby and Leo first, but actually, I want to do the two shortest ones first, and that's um, Ed and Nadine and uh, Lucy and Andy. So Ed and Nadine, uh, in episode 13, Nadine is released from the hospital. Nadine re-meets James. She doesn't know who James is. She assumes that she goes to his school, uh, and she's now able to rip appliances apart barehanded. She rips the door of the refrigerator off of the tinges. In episode 14, she wants to know uh, where her parents are, and Ed's like, oh, they're on vacation in Europe. And she's like, well, let's pretend to be married. And then she wants him to stay over and uh, neck all night, apparently, was her plan.
1: Yeah, which seems like a really interesting proposition. It's not going anywhere, but go ahead and do all the preliminaries for as long as you Well,
0: I mean, when you're 18, that's an option and an appealing one, not so much when you're a grown-ass man.
1: Every teenage girl in Twin Peaks seems to be getting around.
0: Well... There. Well, but Nadine wasn't super popular. Produced, right. We knew that. That's why she was constantly looking up to Norma. So poor Ed is left with this adolescent with superhuman strength, and that is where we leave him. And He's not in the, the right. final episode that we watched at all.
1: No, I, I want to interrupt—not interrupt, but add this at this point, and we'll be looking at it going further into the episodes. There seems to be a really, really bizarre comic strain to these episodes.
0: There is. And, and, and it's contrasted with some of the most brutal violence that apparently right. had been on television up to that point. Exactly.
1: Like, and it still is fairly brutal. Yes. Um, Maddie, that whole scene yes. just goes on, and you keep thinking, as that scene's going on, something's going to happen to intervene, and it doesn't. And it
0: doesn't. And, and I've got some um, right. trivia pertaining to that. Yeah, no, there, is, there are these really, not just bizarre points of sort of surrealist humor, but like pointedly bizarre. Like they stand up and scream, I am bizarre.
1: Well, the sort of Weekend at Bernie's element.
0: Yes, that, yeah, I yes. Well, we get into
1: that, but I mean, th- this was one of those things to where it's like you're just watching it, you, you feel like at this point you're watching a French comedy.
0: Well, the tone shifts just <laughs> are so violent that it's right. like being shot into orbit repeatedly, right. where you're just like... It's funny. It's horrifying. It's funny.
1: It's, like, And next scene we have brutal. someone's quagled to death. Someone's in dead, time someone, someone, is yeah. someone
0: is murdered, someone has committed suicide. Like, I mean, it's all over the map.
1: It's really jarring. David Lynch
0: yeah. directed at least number 15. Uh-huh. He he appears as, as um, Cooper's boss.
1: Now, there's an interesting point, also, is... And this sounds like a pun in itself tone deaf humor we but
0: don't yeah that's humor, not a term that we're using anymore know, because it's ableist we go insensitive. My
1: point is <sighs> that if anything qualified to fulfill that term, there's so much handicapped humor going on. yeah there really in these is episodes the fact that David Lynch's character can't hear anything, and the joke is that he's deaf yeah and he's probably too vain to get an earpiece or so he goes along just screaming things at people. And Which I happen to believe
0: that that's how David Lynch does everything in his real life. Right. Even, like, in the meditation studio.
1: Right. I feel
0: like <laughs> he's yelling everything at all times. But you're
1: watching that going, oh, and this and also, the, you know, as I said, the sort of element of there's a guy who's, in a, you know... In a coma. Or, uh, yeah, but... And we're going to just dress him up and we're going to dress him up and have a birthday party for him and we're going to make love in front you know, like on the table in front of him but
0: like yeah we're, we're let's not get too, too into it because right. we're going to go over it in a second but yeah no the the humor and horror are intertwined in a really i can't say it's an appealing thing i don't i have trouble with things that don't know what they are tonally right. um there was a tv show the secret life of somebody and it had Deborah Messing as a um cop mom. (laughs) Exactly. I think they referred to it on one of the shows that I listened to. Mom, cop, cop mom. Oh, it was uh stop podcasting yourself. We're talking about this. And the whole like it was an hour long show Mm -hmm. and I'm watching the pilot and the whole first forty minutes, it's goofy mom being a cop but she's a pretty good cop but she's still a goofy mom and then all of a sudden in the last 20 minutes like she's something like she's forced to shoot her partner and the boss is running some sort of ring Mm -hmm. that she's gotta and it's like it's (laughs) this complete shift where we were watching will and grace one moment and homicide the next moment and i and i was like what What is this? I don't know what this is. And I'm uncomfortable with that because if I don't know what this is, do the makers know what this is? Like, what do you.
1: There's a focus group that needed to be appeased. It's, that's I, what it feels maybe, like often. Yeah, like, this breaks.
0: is too dark. Make right. it lighter. Although Twin Peaks was never focus grouped. There's no, no, no that's, that's way true. that's the thing. No, that. I think
1: that in that case, it was kind of, in Twin Peaks' case, there was obviously this romance with the director and what he was bringing to television.
0: So that's the couple, that's the Ed and Nadine storyline, that's where we leave them. But again,
1: it's just really bizarre. And And
0: I checked in, or I'd seen a scene later in the season, Uh Nadine apparently goes back to high school, so good luck, Godspeed, none of this makes any sense. Uh Put her in a home, like, what are you doing?
1: But also, uh, just to bring this up too, it's almost as if to say, how much comic relief do we need?
0: Yeah. Because
1: Andy is the comic relief who does really goofy, bafflingly stupid things. Right,
0: but we, I mean, he, his whole story. Let me get into him because we Mm -hmm. only see him and Lucy in the first of these three episodes, and then they go out and they leave on a not high note. Mm -hmm. So Lucy uh, lets Harry know that she's going to go visit her sister Gwen. And they just had a baby. So they're in Tacoma. She's going to go visit them for two days. She's sitting around sort of impatiently waiting for the temp to come in. And because apparently Can-Do Temp Agency is the name of it. And she goes, because sometimes the can-do girls can't. (laughs) And I'm just like, Lucy is kind of the greatest. She might be my favorite character. Andy's working the phones at the station filling in for her after... Uh, Truman is just like it's fine we've got it Mm -hmm. go you're clearly distracted you want to get out of here go ahead and go and he gets a call from Dr. Hayward while he's working the phone lines saying hey you got all the sperms Mm -hmm. like that's basically what he says and Andy's super excited and then he looks up the number that she that Lucy had left for her like To get a hold of her.
1: her contact information.
0: Yeah, which is supposedly her sister's number, and it's the number of an abortion clinic. Now, real quick. (laughs) And then he freaks out. And that's the last thing we see of Andy and Lucy in these three episodes. And I
1: will never know what happened.
0: Her contact number in no way ever would be the abortion clinic. Like, that makes... No sense. She set up this elaborate. I'm going. I have plans and family, and then just this like. But if you need me, please call this place that has all the word abortion in the in their name, so you'll definitely know what it is. It's not like you know Tacoma Women's Clinic or you know what I mean, which is whatever abortion yeah. clinic is
1: actually called. <laughs> the is marked very clearly on the label. It's yeah.
0: just like. What? Why would you leave that number? What are you doing? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. But I don't know. Maybe Andy goes. And then I don't know what happens to Andy the whole rest of this series. Like, it, that's it. That's what I know.
1: I don't know He's if I'm upset an and invested probably enough is like, to find out what happens to Andy. Baby, my baby. I think, again, this is an example of where it was really bold, probably at this time, mm-hmm. to do this. Yeah, I know that's true. I remember that um, the TV show Spencer for Hire had. Uh, Followed a plot line where Spencer's girlfriend has an abortion and people wrote in and had her character taken out of the show.
0: Wow. Even though she
1: was a character that was in the book series. You know, they just took a character completely out.
0: Well, that can happen. I knew of Maude. Mm-hmm. She had B. Arthur pre-Golden right. Girls. She, the main character and titular character, had an abortion. Right. Um, because she was an older woman. Mm-hmm like middle-aged, mm. and she'd had her, her family. She was done having kids, and so that's how they portrayed it. But that was in the 70s, and it was... Oh, it was... Controversy. Well,
1: <laughs> even when uh, Murphy Brown, they were running a storyline where she gets pregnant.
0: Yes, and has her baby on her own, and right. then Dan Quayle said she was like, what was
1: wrong with society or well, something? Like, first of all, it was really... Also, hey, Dan Quayle. <laughs> she's not real. It was a really kind of it was silly from the beginning This was obviously a ratings grab that she's going to have a baby and it went so far as one of the characters In that she like Candice Bergen was aware of how ridiculous this was so she turns to Robert Pastorelli I think who was playing her painter. Yes, Eldon. El- and says uh, have you ever heard of a woman my age having a kid? And she and he says yes once in the Bible Oh. <laughs> it, it's like they knew that this because was
0: because well, she was in her early 40s probably at that point late 30s, late early 40s, 40s? I, think. I don't think it was that late yeah. um, and now that's right. a feasibility that's a, so or it can be but with yeah, again, and there was a
1: question in that episode about is she going to get an abortion of course that was never really a, you know yeah. an issue but, but then they did discuss it which but then, as
0: as a single woman, right.
1: then she was right. Exactly. Uh, sort of
0: put yeah, because ladies, don't 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 worry about having a baby because uh, it's gonna make you the worst. <laughs> You're gonna be the problem with society. If you keep it, if you get rid of it, if you have a husband, if you don't have a husband, if you used to have a husband, if you might have a husband one day. Oh wait, what if you have a wife? Oh no, no babies right. then. That's it. It's the end of the human race. Okay. <laughs> Y'all don't want us to have any kids?
1: Uh, cool. I'm this sta- is
0: it? <laughs> We're
1: done. I'm going sta- <laughs> to stand back and let you say everything that I'm thinking, but you go ahead. It's just <laughs> <'Cause> so <laughs> Cause I, I, I shouldn't. Um, it's strange. I, I have a dog in this fight, but as a man, I think I should back off from yeah, women representing themselves. And, yeah. And no, I just... Not. Well,
0: because it's it is a damned if you... Right. And then you don't do... Don't... May, well, may not. Well, why are you not the, having a baby? Why have you not had a baby? Right. Why is there no baby inside of you right <laughs> now?
1: <laughs> Has the anybody ever asked The complained that? the most during this particular time <laughs> yeah. about the destruction of the family, they came from an earlier generation where you had war widows who had kids that were being raised without dads anyway. Yeah. And there's lots of reasons why you don't have a father in a family. Yes. Because he walked out to buy a loaf of bread and never came back because the loaf of bread was in Iowa somewhere. Or, or at his other fucking family's right. house. Or some, you know, there were lots of reasons why you wind up being a single parent. Well, and yeah, and also... The, the notion that somehow a person making the decision to yeah. do that was a bad idea, that it, somehow it's eating away at our moral fiber. It, no, It happens all the time whether or not we make time. the decision.
0: And no second parent mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean no second parent. Right. There are multitudes of uh, familial structures. There's um Elden was definitely taking right. care of that baby. Like she's gonna be she's she's a successful woman who can afford a nanny, so let's right. everybody get off her
1: nuts. Like <laughs> <laughs> <I> just <laughs> Lynn Reed Banks, who is most famous probably as an author for writing The Indian in the cupboard. Oh yeah, and I those like fantasy that fantasy stories. Her well first, the first ones. Her first book was a really lovely I have it. The L-Shaped Room, and it was about an English girl who gets pregnant uh, from a really casual relationship she has in her late 20s, and she winds up moving into um, these low-rent apartments where no one will ask questions, and pretending that you know her husband uh, died. I think she pretends that she's a, he's, she's a widow. And this book, and it was written in the mid-60s, was very controversial because it was about a woman having a baby on her own but Banks pushed it even further because her best friend is Jewish and her other friend is black and the woman who lived in the basement who her
0: Hey was this the shape of, of water?
1: And... No. <laughs> Although it was made into a film and what's interesting about that is that when it was made into a film instead of an English girl it was an English production and they chose a French girl because you know French girls are like that. It was Leslie Caron.
0: French girls are like, <laughs> that might be the <laughs> grossest <laughs> phrase. People oh, would accept Leslie Cronin. Sorry, Cone. the entire country <laughs> of France people, and all of the people who've come <laughs> right. there.
1: They would accept Leslie Cronin as a French girl who gets pregnant and stays pregnant out of spite and would not accept apparently pregnant English identity. Stays pregnant. Very interesting. Uh,
0: nobody on this planet. No, uh-huh. that's not true. I guarantee somebody has stayed pregnant out of spite, but not in the 1900s. Well, maybe that's not even true. Ugh, but yeah, it was that
1: world? And it's a great... We are not running downhill. What are we doing? Right. Well, I know, but I... <laughs> this is giving context to all of you we younger tried, listeners. We fell. <laughs> right? So. <laughs> don't know how difficult it was to get this kind of thematic material onto us. Oh,
0: the... Yes. Okay, the abortion plot line. We don't know where it went. Right. Godspeed, Andy <laughs> and Lucy. May you end up content. I don't know.
1: I'm sure it'll be resolved.
0: Meanwhile... At Shelly and Leo's house, uh, a whole pile full of yuck is going on. Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: <laughs> so in the first of these three episodes, the judge is like, are you really trying to tell me that this person is competent to stand trial? And the, the uh, DA is not even like, he's, he's not saying he's competent to stand trial. He's just saying the town needs a trial, which... I mean, good arguing, I guess. Um, The judge asks Cooper if he thinks that Leo did this, and he's like, no, he did some shit, Mm -hmm. but he did not kill Laura Palmer. So the judge is like, well, he's not competent to stand trial, and he can be released to his family.
1: Right.
0: So then, Squiggy comes in from the Vernon Shirley, We see a lot of Lenny, Michael McKeon. He's in many, many things. We see less of
1: Squiggy. Squiggy was ill, I believe. Oh, I I don't know. He had a physical ailment that kept him out of working for a very long time.
0: So he's there selling them. I think it's a Hoyer lift. It's a thing that will allow them to lift Leo um, from the wheelchair into the bed because Leo is bigger than anybody else. He's probably about the size of... Bobby and Shelley put together. Put together. Um, both of them are slight individuals, and Leo is not. So, this machine is a piece of crap. It doesn't work real good because that's all that they could afford after the insurance money took out and X, this is Y, and Z. Also
1: play for humor with the yes. lift going berserk and running a guy into a wall, and just
0: like ramming him right. into a wall. Presumably, this is the same thing that's going to happen to the comatose dude, right. um, and because. They get tired of listening to him and just wander away, probably to have sex because yes, they're that's gross. Exactly what and then in the next episode, Bobby pushes Leo into the kitchen with a thing on his head, like a party hat on right. his head. Oh no, this isn't the party yet. He um he's in with he, he brings him into the meeting with the insurance agent who's like, Here's that seven hundred dollar check you've been uh expecting for this month and they're like we were told 5000 and they were like, yeah, but then you've got medical expenses and this and fees and that and, and so she's going to get $700 a month and has to quit her job to take care of him all of the time. So now she gets to live with a comatose husband on the fixed income of $700 a month in a house that is not done. Because she
1: can't work because he is demanding all of her free time. Because
0: she has... He needs 24-7 care because he can't do anything. He is... Now, he's not in a coma. No. But I guess you'd call it persistent vegetative state. He can sit up. His eyes are opening. (laughs) And... But he's not... He can't interact. He can't feed himself. He can't bathe himself. He can't go to the bathroom. He can't do any of these functions by himself. Um, and so then they, um, have a party. They put a thing on Leo's head. They put a cake in front of him. His face, like, he falls face first into the cake, and Bobby picks his head up by pulling his ponytail, which is just, like, rude. They're both getting drunk. And then they decide, I guess, to fuck on the cake or something in front of him. It's real weird. And then... You um, might want to
1: explain to the listeners at this point who are too young to remember Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, and no,
0: they'll know Weekend. Well, some how will.
1: really tasteless those movies... It's a
0: movie that I did not see. Weekend at Bernie's um, follows our hapless heroes who...
1: Feckless heroes is another Whose,
0: f- whose wealthy boss has died... And they are house guests, and they basically puppeteer his corpse through the film.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Not basically. That's what they do. Right. It's it's a slapstick comedy, don't you know? From right. the eighties. I think it was Jonathan Silverman in it. Um, I'm going to have to I check. I don't out. dislike, but this was not a great choice. This is there. not a great moment. And there was a sequel. So they're Which, basically how doing long that. is
1: this body not decomposing?
0: Well, that's what I didn't understand. I'm like, is the sequel like the next day? Is it a different body? I'm not even sure. Uh, but yeah, they're definitely weekend at burning.
1: Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Silverman.
0: What what? I know my And 80s Terry Kaiser, jobs. who
1: is actually a really good comic actor, is playing a corpse. And it had to do with... In sunglasses like, much right. of the time,
0: because, you know, his eyes won't stay open. Ew, So upsetting.
1: It um, involves a, a mob. There's a plot about a mob boss, which is the reason why they're keeping him alive. or pretending Oh, to be is alive. that what but it
0: is? I thought it was just for... I don't know.
1: I didn't... I'm sure I've seen
0: parts of it. I have never watched the movie. So then Bobby and Charlie are sitting at the table later, going over bills. They've got $42 left over after all of the bills are paid. Shelley tells Bobby to take back this necklace that he bought her, which I'm sure was not that expensive, right. anyways. And she says, "You know, when am I ever going to feel glamorous, glamorous enough to wear it when I'm giving Leo a bath or feeding him his oatmeal?"
1: By the way, lots of dribbling food out of. Yes, uh, it's, it's, it's and
0: they're tr- like they're they're feeding him, and so he's like drooling food out the right. side of his face because, haha, that's hilarious. Uh, it's. And then Bobby's like, "Well, can we sell his truck? It's not like he's gonna be driving it anymore." And they're like, "Well, they say it's a crime scene, so it's been impounded, so they don't—they can't do that." And then Leo like yells, like screeches mm-hmm. the
1: words "new shoes." Um, now in this, he does sound a like great. You like the parrot that was murdered? He does. The, the parrot yeah. Minor bird. Serious minor bird. Uh, and
0: then Bobby's like, "Oh, that must mean." uh go get the receipt for where he gets his shoes cleaned i'm like well those aren't new shoes but okay and then shelly goes and to the diner and quits and norma's like you can come back anytime so she's just gonna run short-staffed i guess (laughs) she's not gonna hire somebody to fill out um her thing and then bobby then we see bobby coming back uh into the house with mike the long, distant mic and he has Leo's old boots and tries to get Leo to react to it somehow, and then he finds a tape hidden in the heel of the boot. Leo just keeps saying, new shoes, new shoes, new shoes, right. new shoes, new shoes, and scene, and the story of Shelley and Bobby and Leo. So something's on that tape, and maybe they'll have money now.
1: And maybe it was a reference to... Maybe American your insurance
0: fraud off. will pay off.
1: In uh, Crime and Punishment, looking for his socks. Oh, maybe. Or maybe it wasn't, and maybe I'm just reaching to give, <laughs> <laughs> wash the bad taste of those scenes out of my mouth. Because mm. it really wasn't. It, it was just in bad taste. A lot of those last three episodes, a lot of the humor is in really bad taste. Yeah. But, So, yeah.
0: I'm trying to decide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's do the Harold Donna piece. Okay. So, episode 13 is basically two heists. The first heist is you Donna like heist. and Maddie. I do love a heist. I love it when a plan comes together. Um, Donna and Maddie are going to break into Harold's house and steal Laura's diary because they've had such great luck with doing this in the past. So we should definitely do it it's again. The
1: exact thing they should do.
0: The other heist that's going on at the same time is Cooper and Truman breaking into relie- or, um, One Retrieve right. <laughs> to get Audrey out of One Eye Jacks. So let's go over the Harold's Donna story. So Donna um, goes over to Harold's with some Meals on Wheels and says, You know, I will tell you stories from my life if you let me read Donna's notebook. And he's like, deal.
1: Laura's notebook.
0: Oh, Laura's notebook. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm sorry. Laura's diary. Um, so, I will give you salacious stories from my past for Laura's salacious stories so
1: from her past. Now, Mr. Orchid Collector here.
0: Yes. Baby Sam workston um,
1: When we're looking at uh, reviewing his character, mm-hmm. would you say that he's a pervert or not a pervert?
0: That's a word that I don't really no,
1: enough it's got
0: opinion. such a terrible connotation right. that when I hear that, I assume pederast, and I don't think that that's the case. Right. This dude is a person who wants pretty ladies' intimate details to be told to him. For sure, Mm -hmm. do I think that makes him abnormal? I do not. I think that is probably a fairly standard desire for many people. They just don't have pretty girls going. Let me tell you the story of my first kiss. It was basically at an orgy, Uh, which is Donna's story. She tells him the story that she and
1: uh, Laura. Is that story true?
0: Um, I think so. I think I think it probably Well is. hanging out
1: with Laura anything could happen to you. Yeah. Probably.
0: They got picked up by three dudes, mm-hmm. went skinny dipping basically, and then uh, Laura was uh involved with two of them. We mm. don't know how involved. It's not explicitly stated, but one of them comes out and swims out to Donna and kisses her and that's her first kiss. Um and um, she uh, well she starts she wants to get some answers from him about his past and she's just like mm um, Maddie um, and Donna then are going over like a the, the most basicest of floor plans of Harold's house this <laughs> 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 is like this box is his living room and this box is and then um,
1: they need better props frankly. Like
0: she's like I'm gonna distract him you sneak in and use this like this weird um contraption to open this bookcase and get the diary and it's like a very confusing like it's not there's a knob and you turn mm-hmm. it and then the okay. thing comes out. So, but I don't know if Donna didn't see what he had done or just doesn't have full. I don't use think of she's seen what he's done. I okay. think she was
1: in the the hot house portion okay. of the trailer or whatever it was or cabin mm-hmm. when he was opening um, up the secret. That might be true because she's like, mm-hmm. there's
0: this. I think there's a thing mm-hmm. on the side
1: that'll open it. And, and I'm th- just like this was a part <laughs> of Twin Peaks that I had completely lost patience with, which is the idiotic shenanigans of these teenagers who continuously try to form their own investigative plans and get people maimed, murdered, and killed as a yeah. result. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't stop doing it. It doesn't matter that Dr. Jekyll was how nearly how slaughtered.
0: Sexy Donna, cigarette mm-hmm. smoking Donna doesn't just yank that thing out of this weak dude's hands. Right. He has. Been a shut-in. He's not working out. Yeah. Just take it and run. Like, why are
1: you? Even doing even this? if he was, even if she was trapped in the cabin with, you know, I don't know, or like a Leo situation. All she has to do is run at the front door, and he won't follow her. It's true. He, he has so fear leaving this cabin. so Yeah. Nothing will happen. She grabs it. She runs. I. This is. It's just tiresome. How she keeps and her and her boyfriend and the Laura lookalike all get together and make these plans that just result in mayhem, is right. the way we describe it. No one takes any... Con- it never occurs to them to, to accept any consequences for what they do.
0: Because right. Because they're
1: off making the next stupid plan. Right. It was almost as if, if like, the uh, the family members of the um, the Hardy family, you know. I know. To the, I don't have any... The Hardy Boys. I understand the right, Hardy so Boys.
0: I know that they were detectives. The end. full stop. I don't know anything else well, about them. Well, just...
1: You're <sighs> thinking like there's two other family members or a couple of others that aren't so bright, but they're still making these schemes all the time. Oh, I see and what kind Like of the Hardy Cousins. Right, the Hardy Cousins. There <laughs> you go. The okay. idiot cousins of the Hardy family. Yeah. <laughs> Let's so, make a plan, and it fails, and someone dies. But it's okay. Let's yeah. make another plan.
0: So Maddie oh, is watching, and actually Maddie is watching as Donna is telling right. the story, and then Harold is like, "I grow flowers," <laughs> and then they kiss, and then he take he wants to take her back to the yeah the hothouse area, and Maddie is like, or I mean Donna like is waving and gesturing mm. like, "Now's your chance." Donna is like with her eyes trying to direct Maddie to the bookcase and like it's around the side and then while in a very small location with Harold, like in front of his face. And then Maddie finds the secret compartment, and but it like, she breaks the whole goddamn thing. Like it comes crashing down and of course Harold's like, what's happening? And then he, like they're super scared because he grabs a rake and they're, like, huddling together, and he's, like...
1: No, not a full-size rake, you have to say.
0: Oh, wasn't it? It was, like, a little... Well, it was, like, a like hand... Like a garden claw like a, Yeah, because they're, trawl. um... You know, he doesn't have a yard. Right, he only only has little <laughs> little.
1: Cause I just had a picture of a full-size rake, which... No, like it's, like,
0: <laughs> a little... Yeah, <laughs>
1: but... A, It'd more amusing, <laughs> I think.
0: Um, and then he's, like, what was this all about? Maybe I can help you. And then are you looking for secrets... And then he like rakes her his own face, and then they're like huddled together, yelling, screaming, and that's how we leave them at the end of episode thirteen. So, and s- so episode fourteen picks mm-hmm. up on that same scene. So he's bleeding from three cuts right. on his face. He, you know, is like, I thought you were different, Donna. I thought you were different than all the others. I'm like, okay. How many ladies have been up in your house trying to steal a diary from you? Like, how often does this you happen? You had a much
1: larger library uh, before the series.
0: And then, you know, you lie, you betray, and then you laugh about it. And Harold demands that Donna give him back the diary. He tries to snatch it from her as they're fighting over it. James comes in. James, ever the savior. James comes in and, like, scoops up the girls but leaves the diary behind. Good job. <laughs> um, and so all of Donna's scheming was for nothing. They still have nothing. Um, that and, then ha- and, and then Harold is just howling in agony inside of his own all house. All of
1: Donna's scheming was for nothing because that's basically all of their scheming ever that's is sub- for nothing.
0: That's the subtitle to the show. <laughs> right. Twin Peaks, Donna's scheming is for nothing. And Maddie drives off and then James is like, we should stick together because then their hearts will be safe forever. Because that's how it works.
1: Relationship advice (laughs) from Twin Peaks.
0: And then Donna goes to the sheriff's house to tell them, look, he's got another diary. Yeah, like another secret hidden diary of Laura's. Yes, there's another one, and I know where it is. And then that's right when uh, Cooper's supervisor, David Lynch, comes right on in. And then Hawk goes to Harold's house, and finds him hanging in his greenhouse.
1: This is why it's hard to be amused by any part of this storyline or to be on their side about it. Yeah, no, nope, because
0: they killed another man.
1: <laughs> there's a, a couple of things that are wrong with it. For the, f- the first of which is, from the point of view of a viewer watching this, This story goes nowhere. You got really, uh, you found her diary. That's basically what it amounts to. But other than that, it's nothing. It's It's just a digression for no particular reason. It shows it makes the kids look stupid because they never learned their lesson.
0: Oh, I will say the last piece of this is, Uh um, while they're investigating his house, because it's a crime scene now, right? On his body, he left a suicide note saying in French, "I am a lonely soul," which is what the grandson had said of his neighbor the weird old lady that she delivered food to the first Uh time that's what he said so mm, it just for whatever that's worth
1: yeah it's more the cryptic clues that you get from Twin Peaks that don't really lead anywhere in particular or they kind of lead to other clues they don't really lead to a solution and
0: this character was sort of let's introduce a character with um, some mental health issues some perversity issues for him to be basically an obstacle that they kill. like right. That these teenagers are responsible for killing. Right. Great. Let's so do that. But Why? There's this <laughs>
1: string of assaulted people and now bodies behind them. These yeah. dumb kids. who can't get their act together. And so they're, okay, I won't use the Hardy Boys, but maybe you can use this instead of the Hardy Boys suggestion. Like the messed up version of the Scooby gang a bunch yeah. of teenagers who go in and just ruin things yeah. and leave it all a wreck behind them and take no responsibility it's like if we were not living in twin peaks if we were li- living in a big city right yeah these people would be arrested they would be yeah, charged probably with things. something it's something but just know. the fact that they go roaming around causing trouble why don't they just form a gang and buy you I mean know? that's
0: basically what they are
1: right <laughs> That is what they are. <laughs> they're like the lamest gang in the Warriors, you know. <laughs> they cause psychic trouble rather than physically beating up strangers to the neighborhood. But yeah, I, I, I had had at this point. I'm glad to see the last of them. Yeah. Um, I like the performers. I obviously, but I think they're talented. Yeah, Laura Linney is great. But this was just. Uh, these guys, yeah, I stop. cannot take it anymore. You guys are teenagers. How about
0: just go back to doing teenager stuff,
1: right? Just
0: yeah. go solving to solving crimes
1: is not what you do. Take a math
0: test, <laughs> go to prom. What are you doing? You don't need to, yes, go stop fighting like like crime.
1: Right.
0: Just stop, everybody. Stop, do act your age. Speaking right. of which. Audrey is up next.
1: Oh, there we go. So
0: Audrey is still strung out at One Eye Jacks, but Cooper knows she's at One Eye Jacks because he finally, finally in episode thirteen, finds her note that says, I don't want eye jacks, come get me. Um, because he was doing extra yoga yoga and that day he was gonna start oh yeah, he, he's doing fifteen extra minutes of yoga to get over the shooting that his body right. just went, uh, underwent because that's what's going to help that's what's going to solve everything 15 the more minutes of yoga every morning and you two can get over a gunshot
1: in two days mind you i will learn when david lynch's character comes into the, the story mm-hmm. that he's only been there for 12 days yeah at this massive which is
0: that's Precisely right. right. If this is episode 13, right.
1: he's been there for 12 but days. This whole wacko storyline mm-hmm. and all the digressions and all the diversions and all the action has happened in a 12-day period.
0: That's the other thing. so episode 13 right. opens. Cooper talking to Diane talking about a dream he had where he was eating a flavorless marshmallow because he was eating one of those earplugs that he had sen- <laughs> been sent. That's how we're opening. And then he's like, "I'm going to do some yoga." And then he gets up on his hand, like on his head, his handstand, headstand.
1: This is why I don't do yoga. It's confusing.
0: And then he sees the note. Oh, what is this? Oh, it's the note that says,
1: "No, no one has cleaned this I've room." I've gone
0: to the. I've gone north. Jack may have the answer. And he's like,
1: "No one has cleaned this hotel room. Like room no. service, no one's discovered this note." Nope. Okay.
0: I bet he says, "Please don't come in here. It's none of your concern."
1: Well, he's an FBI agent. Maybe he wants his privacy.
0: And then at the same time, Ben Horn is meeting with this Tojamura, this wigged, bespectacled, clearly a person in some sort of costume, in his office, and say, who who's basically saying, "I don't give a fuck what you've got going on with the Iceland. You made a deal with me. Give me my money,
1: but Ben."
0: Oh, and he gives Ben a check for $5 million. With
1: an accent that sounds like Pat Morita doing an accent. It's really... (laughs) It's very...
0: Yeah. And then then Truman's coming down the hallway and is like being followed by Bobby, which uh, that never goes anywhere. And then Cooper follows playing with a duck call, which I only recognize because I had a very brief period where I was watching Duck Dynasty. It's in the past. And...
1: All of those people have less hair than (laughs) Togevola.
0: And then Hank warns Ben that Cooper's on his way, and then yoinks right out of there, just out the side door. Don't mind me, I'm going over here. And then Jean Reno, hi Michael Parks, comes, calls, and says, you ready to play? Ben says, let me talk to my daughter. Jean says, eat a dick. No, (laughs) he says, no, you can't. And then they set up the, the situation. Hank is to trail Cooper and make sure Cooper and the money get to Jean mm. Renault And then he's supposed to grab Audrey and get out of there because the assumption is Jean is going to kill Cooper. He won't be there to bring Audrey back, so mm. we need a third party. And, um, of course, Ben is like, if you could manage it, I wouldn't hate having the briefcase full of money and my daughter so do what you can um, now apparently Hank did not pull a groin muscle in his mm-hmm. horrible fight the night before also didn't die I wasn't sure I was like did, we, did he kill him <laughs> but no you can only hope. he's still alive and has not learned not to well that was what I never understood did during that fight that Hank had with Josie's partner
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: um, cool. did he tell him Not to do anything, or did he warn him off of a thing, or did he just beat him up and leave?
1: He he pledged to be his blood brother, right? Which is what happened, and that's as far as we saw. If something we don't know, so we don't know really what it could have happened off screen or the suggestion. But Hank
0: is still like, I don't mind doing Mm -hmm. some you know behind the scenes shenanigans and breaking some laws, I don't mind that at all. So he hasn't learned that at least. One-Eyed Jacks, uh, Jean is practicing with one of those, ting, those little uh, knives that sit in your, uh, I guess your wrist and then shoot out. And I'm like, I wonder who that's going to kill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably not the person he thinks it's going to kill. But it's so.
1: very, that's very uh, kind of like a 60s spy movie kind of move, too. You know, like I have the sort of spring-loaded knife strapped to my arm and it's going to shoot out and get somebody at just the nick of time. Mm.
0: Well, that's the thing. So over, so Jean is like, I'm going to, as soon as I get that briefcase of money in my hand, I'm going to kill Cooper. And Blackie's like, well, but how is Ben Horn going to let you control one Eye Jacks with his daughter dead? And I'm like, right. but he didn't say he was going to kill her. I mean, I guess he may have, sh- I don't know, are we just assuming that now? Jean assures her, it'll all work out. It will, just a different way than you think. Harry and Cooper are going over the fuller plans of one-eyed Jacks. How do they get a floor plan of One Eye Jacks? Because that place looks like a maze to me. Like it's right. un- it's it's downstairs or wherever they're keeping the girls
1: is very. I'm guessing they did not follow the plan laid out in the building. Twisty and turning.
0: No, yeah, probably not. Then they are creeping towards the rear entrance of One Eye Jacks. Uh, there's a guard outside, and an owl stares at Cooper and hoots. Cooper's like, "It's a sign."
1: Sure well, Cooper's beginning to re- increasingly over these three episodes, recognize the signs that were left for him in the stories by the giant. And right. Other
0: well, hes there's some, I'm going to presume some confirmation bias. So they're creeping, they're creeping. Harry takes this guard out. Um, they go inside they're like looking around trying not to be seen and searching for whatever room Audrey's being held at right. because you might have blueprints but at no point was there an ex-Audrey is here <laughs> Harry sees the back of Jean and Blackie, Blackie in one of the rooms and notices the surveillance tape is paused on the television on an image of Cooper the night he was at the casino so he's like oh shit this dude knows who I am knows what I look like right he continues through the hallways he finds Nancy who's uh, Jean's girlfriend, and forces her to take him to Audrey, tied up and drugged still. She pulls a knife, but he sees uh, what's coming and knocks her out. And he... <laughs> no, that... <laughs> <laughs> he punches a
1: lady. <laughs>
0: and was it was not as bad as Nicolas Cage punching ladies, specifically Julia Stiles in the Wicker Man reboot. You know, that
1: was uh, Lily Sobieski. Oh, Lily Sobieski, he yes. Actually, Sorry, Julia. Yes, I kid you not, karate <laughs> kicks her in the stomach. <laughs> it's like it's like really, that's really going board. Yeah.
0: He carries Audrey out, and meanwhile, Jean is kissing Blackie. You're married or with his her sister? That's gross. But then, whew, and the knife goes into her, and she's dead. As he does this, he sees Harry watching him through a window and fires a gun at him. And then Cooper and Audrey are reunited outside, but they're confronted by a bodyguard with a gun who tells them to drop their guns as, as they do. Hawk appears, throwing a knife into the bodyguard's back. Yup, He's really doing that Indian thing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Did you? Hey, going, you guys, we have an Indian <laughs> right? You know what we can have him do. I, I Anything.
1: Kind of, I was expecting a tomahawk. That would have been a little bit too much, maybe, but... That's the way they were playing it. They were playing a very last of the Mohicans kind well, of... Well, and
0: then his his fucking line is, a good thing you guys can't keep a secret. Right. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is because you all mad at the fucking roadhouse at 9.30 and everybody knows <laughs> your damn business.
1: There's a, a real flavor of like... That's
0: what our fucking sign-off should be of this show. Meet you at the roadhouse at right. 9.30. <laughs> we the, are up... To some mischief. <laughs> this
1: has a real flavor of like a boy's adventure story that you'd, you know, get out of a scouting magazine and suddenly the Indian shows up behind them and throws a knife just in the nick of yeah. time to rescue them. <laughs> and then they flee
0: through the woods. Right. And then Hank is like, Rho, and calls Ben and is like, so but before he can finish his I Done Fucked Up and Everything Is Screwed. Right. Uh, he gets knifed in the neck by Jean and so he's no more this body count is really (laughs) i know (laughs) uh but it's in canada so it doesn't count i guess (laughs) 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 and and the id ID that's in his pocket because hank is a klepto du jour says that he's a prosecutor he still has the dudes from the diner's id in his pocket and then so that's the uh, that's everything that happens with this storyline in the first episode. So that's the heist episode where Mm -hmm. the the bulk of it happens. So they end up taking her to the book house to detox, and she starts babbling about feeling heavy and sinking deeper and deeper, but when she realizes she's with her special agent, uh, she comes back. And she's like, I prayed that you'd come, and you did. Late at night, Cooper and Ben meet at... The Great Northern dining room, with a briefcase of money. Uh, he reports Audrey's being held at One Eye Jacks. Uh, Blackie was at least partially responsible, but she's dead, and that now Audrey is recovering from a drug overdose. Ben counts his money because he's a 1st he's a <laughs> <human. laughs> that guy. He's like, oh, the da- my daughter's fine, detoxing in a fucking uh, secret hideout for some dudes. Okay, that's cool. How many dollars are in this box?
1: You weren't expecting her back for dinner anyhow. I know, right? That wasn't going to happen.
0: Ben hugs and thanks Cooper, and it's real gross and insincere. Um, And then Ben, later in the episode, visits Audrey, and she's like, yeah, we're going to talk about some shit when I'm not super strung out. Fast forward to episode 15, when she is no longer super strung out. She goes and she's like, Look, I know about Blackie. I know about Emery. I know about Renette. I know about Laura. Did you know about Laura? Did you know? He's like, D- She says, Did you fuck her? Yeah. Did well, you sleep with her? Less. And he said, I loved her. And I was just like, No, you didn't? No? Um, <laughs> no, that's not what love is. <laughs> everyone
1: in this, there's a, a fetishization of teenage girls.
0: Ooh, yeah,
1: there is. In the show that. Well, and younger.
0: We'll get there.
1: It's just weird. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So Audrey's like, I know all about all of your shit and how you basically sold these women, Mm -hmm. these girls, into prostitution. And then she goes to Cooper and is like, I'm going to fucking testify against my dad because he's behind all of it. And Cooper says, don't tell anybody. As that's happening, we find out that Mike, and this is a weird piece that we haven't really gotten to. So I'm actually going to hold it. They end up locking up Ben for a reason that we'll get to right? in a second. Okay, so that's the end of Audrey's story. Right. She's basically flipped on her dad.
1: Somebody needed to.
0: Presumably she still has a mom, and she's got a brother who's special.
1: And uh, The mom we did see yeah. briefly during the trial for moment, yeah. right? So she's still around she's around she's not she's one of the characters who just disappears out mm-hmm. of the storyline for no but I have a reason.
0: feeling that this is a woman who's not fully present in her daughter's life look right. at how her daughter interacts with men mm-hmm. there was no maternal right hun you don't have to do there's that no you don't have no. to yeah, yeah she doesn't Example. have that so she's you know her her moms are as hands off as she's ever been and probably will be more hands off going forward because even though she knows i'm sure her husband is a dirtbag now her daughter is testifying mm-hmm. against him that's mm-hmm. not going to go well it's going to be
1: a that's really my
0: husband and that's my means of support
1: i would like to if i was going to if i was going to follow through with the program yeah I would like to see that happen too. Trial scenes. Yeah. And coming forward and becoming something other than the runner up for the town tart.
0: Right. Um, Yeah. She's got to get the fuck out of Twin Peaks. That's what she needs to do. She needs to. She's 18 now. mm -hmm. Get your GED at the very least. Diploma if it's coming up. You should be a senior. You should be wrapping this shit up in four months. Because we're still in February or March or whatever. Right. Yeah. Get your shit. Take some money. Get on a bus. Go. Go live in Seattle.
1: She'll be really popular anywhere else. Just go.
0: just Yeah, get out of Twin Peaks, because this place is fucking going to kill you. It's poison. Nothing is good that's there for you. Like, you don't need... Well, the
1: legacy of her father, too. It's like he won't Mm -hmm. be able to... She won't be able to get anywhere in this town Mm -mm. where he's mixing constantly with the criminal element, and there's so many criminal elements in Twin Peaks. Right, right. Which makes you wonder why Cooper is so fond of it, because it seems to be the exact opposite of... Well... He's well, enamored at the end of,
0: of the I, He's enamored of this small town, right. idyllic, idyllic life. That's not what's here. No, it's not. It's not really it's there. It's
1: cultists and, you know, the demon in the woods. But I actually think
0: that he likes that stuff, too.
1: Uh, or Either that or he's really, I guess his focus is on trying to save it from...
0: Yeah, make it that thing. Right. Ma- make it be what it appears to be.
1: It's almost as if he believes that it's he's restoring it. Yeah. Back to some Or sort of he rest- can restore it. Right. Yeah. The, the intentions of the people are good, that the town itself is good, but that there's some sort of evil that it can't fight on its own because it simply doesn't have the tools to do it. So, yeah. Again, that sounds like a summation, so maybe. All
0: right. One more storyline to close out before we do the big one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that is the Josie and Ben and the Martells and the people at the mill. Okay. the That whole thing. And the first thing that we see in this storyline is actually in episode 14, the second episode we watched. There's no time for this in the two heists. Mm-hmm. And we see Josie crying and zipping up her dress Well, Jonathan mm-hmm. who has been introduced multitudes of ways and is the person that Hank had a fight with is getting dressed himself. So I don't know if that's a post-rape scene.
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't know what that's supposed to represent. It's not good, whatever it is. It's not good. She's upset, upset, but we don't know... Here's one of the few genuine criminals, because so many of these guys are amateurs and bumbling around. No, this dude is mafia.
0: This This, dude is... This
1: guy's an expert. Yeah. You know, he... uh, The way he... So... Uh, like expertly disposed of, you know, our chorus line kicker and the way that he sort of insinuated, he's controlling everything there yeah, on some level. But we just don't know the extent to, to which he is controlling everything there.
0: Yeah. He's like, we're leaving tonight. Mm-hmm. Mr. Eckert says that we have to. Josie's like, I've been here for five years. I need to get paid before yeah. I walk the fuck out of here. And he's like, I mean, it's your choice, but I'm going to kill Harry, uh, Harry if you don't. Come with me tonight. Right. Putting her in an untenable situation because whatever else she feels, she does care about him. And then we see uh, Ben and Leland in Ben's office, and Ben's like, "Look, I need my attorney. Mm-hmm. It's been, you know, 12 days since we buried, you, or since your daughter died. So are you like, right, back or what?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I feel 100 percent, 110 percent maybe." There. Ben is like, okay, so there are these new investors in Japan, so we've got to like delay the project, because now we've got too many people interested, and I still don't own the land, technically. Mm-hmm. And Leland like lists like four different non-legal ways to make this happen. And Ben is like, hope Hank doesn't take that uh, death threat seriously, because I need my Leland, and we're working real good. Because that was never clear as to whether he meant you need to kill this motherfucker <laughs> or not. Then Ben and Josie have a meeting, and he's like, look, I am I don't have the money. I can't do it right now. X, Y, and Z hasn't come through. And she's like, I'm not leaving. We had, we had a, an agreement. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Ben's like, well, I'm, I have a whole file about how you caused your, or you're, you're behind your husband's death. And she's like, if anything unfortunate were to happen to me, Uh, There's a key to my safety deposit box in another city full of evidence against you. They'll bury us side by side. Give me my money. (laughs) (laughs) And he picks up the check that the Japanese investor had given him, the $5 million check, and just hands it to her, Tojomura, and hands it to her, and she's like, peace out. And then later we see Harry... Going to Josie's house and he finds Jonathan carrying suitcases to the car. Excuse me. Josie tells Harry that he's her assistant, Mm -hmm. Mr. Lee. And she's leaving Twin Peaks for good. She sold the mill to Benjamin. Harry says, you can't leave. I love you. You have to stay. You have to stay. She's like, forget about me. Um, I have to go. Then we see Ben lighting a cigar at the table with Tojimura. Uh, who's like, where's my my deeds, where's my shit? I gave you $5 million, where's mine?
1: That wasn't in good faith. He expects something, or, yeah.
0: Yeah, which, don't give a cashier's check for $5 million and leave the room without anything. That doesn't seem like a good idea. That's just like, you left cash behind. The two are negotiating, and we hear the piano, and Leland starts singing, uh, getting to know you. Ben uh, excuses himself and tries to get Leland to, like, Chill the fuck out. But then he gets Ben to join in. So they're both singing Getting to Know You from The King and I. Tojimura is watching uh, from the bar, sitting next to him, Pete. Pete's there, and he's sad, and he's drinking, and he's like, My wife is dead. My wife is dead. And then Pete asks Tojimura if he likes musicals, to which he simply answers, I find adherence to fantasy troubling and unreasonable. And then the next, and then everything else that happens happens in the final episode. Ben and Tojamura are uh, talking, and uh, Ben says, Jerry investigated your company. Uh, the proposal's been approved. They're, he's about to sign the contract when the police come in and say, Ben, you need to come with us uh, for questioning mm-hmm. regarding the murder of Laura Palmer. So now they know he runs One Eye Jacks, they know that Laura was involved with One Eye Jacks. We don't know what all you were involved in, but it was some shit, so let's go. Um, and he, he says, you can come quietly, or we can drag you through your lobby in handcuffs. Then it's like, get out. And Hawk and Andy are like, no. And they <laughs> grab him, and they leave him. <laughs> this is not the way this <laughs> yeah, works. This is no, it. you can't. We might be in your house, but really, because your house is in our city, you're in our house. Right. At the station, the officers take Ben to the holding cell, and the log lady is already there waiting for them. Um, And she says, we don't know what will happen or when, but there are owls in the roadhouse. Cooper says, something is happening, isn't it, Margaret? And she says, yes. And then um, it's later at night, and in the kitchen at the Martell house, Pete turn towards the sound because there's nobody around boy why is there a sound in this house he's the only one who lives there because josie has bounced his wife is dead tojimura comes in what what are you doing here mr tojimura straight kisses pete on the lips man on man kissing oh no wait (laughs) that's not a man that is that is catherine all inside of the tojimura fur (laughs) And she says, well, she says, since the moment we met, I've been strangely attracted to you. Pete's like, uh, that's not okay. And <laughs> you need to get out of my house. And Catherine is like, it's me, dumped up. <laughs> um and
1: yeah, this ends. That's it. That's the, how we end that. The them. worst disguise. So, <laughs> in the so history of Catherine's
0: alive, uh-huh. which we knew. Right. She has I don't know. We don't know if she was in on the arresting.
1: There's something really suspicious about how convenient this loop is tied up with Josie.
0: I'm sure that there's more because Josie has Catherine's five million dollars. Right. Catherine's not gonna let that stand.
1: Right, unless they decided to work together at the last moment. I don't know. And
0: I don't know if Josie's right. signing over the mill counts now that Catherine is alive, right. or if the mill is just That's now in it her... It could be,
1: we, we just made know. off with of five million dollars between the two of us working this game. But yeah, the Tojimura character, that, that I, I, I kind of saw it coming.
0: Well, I knew it was a person, and I knew probably the scene before, like the scene in the bar.
1: Right, where she's flirting with...
0: She's basically flirting right. with him. Um, and you and they were showing the face a little bit more clearly yeah. where you could see where prosthetics were mm-hmm. applied not very yeah. skillfully um, they were, we didn't get a lot of close-ups the first few times we mm-hmm. saw him, and that was of course on purpose. But I
1: love the sort of Mission Impossible style, peel off the face and there, look, it's her. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, very kind of, uh, inadvertently funny. It was, but, but it was,
0: that was sweet. That was actually... It was cause
1: played cause, up for laughs, though, because... I like to right. see
0: Pete happy there at the end.
1: Poor Pete. Poor, I mean... poor Pete.
0: Yeah, so, I don't know... How that all ends up getting resolved we don't know but pete finds out that his wife is not dead and i bet josie would be glad to know that well i
1: don't know they were sort of they were
0: they were sort of nemeses now for the piece to resist us
1: um
0: the laura palmer mystery is solved and it's a doozy
1: the crime isn't solved the mystery is solved
0: oh yes that is correct nobody is uh, arrested at the end of this. We're not going to
1: leave this where somebody is, you know, we find out.
0: I, my understanding though is it's wrapped up like three, in the next three episodes. Okay. So, at the beginning of episode 13, Hawk, um, says, hey, so I did some research like you asked me to and nobody at Leland's parents' house on Pearl Lake have a memory of this gray-haired man who looks like Bob. um, and then he there's a funny pee joke he said i had to drink two pots of chamomile tea to find that out speaking of which i have to go to the bathroom <laughs> and runs away and then um <laughs>
1: it's like great i completely great. forgot that
0: yeah um then we're in the courtroom the makeshift courtroom which i think is uh like the banquet hall at the great northern i think they're in the hotel um. And oh no, it's oh my mistake. It's in the roadhouse because of course it is. But it's at nine thirty a.m. Right. If you want to go to court, meet at nine thirty a.m. If you want to do something that's gonna end you up at court, to make meet at nine thirty p.m.
1: Is nine thirty shift.
0: Um. P.m. 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 So he the district attorney says don't give this dude bail and everybody else is like he's a respected member of the community and he was only going to kill the person who killed his daughter which he totally already did (laughs) so he's not dangerous he's got roots in the town and he's got work to do so come on and the judge says I've known Leland for however many years 20 years and he's like yeah, he can be released on his own recognizance. I'm like, this man has been 16 types of crazy in the last week.
1: Right.
0: You should definitely let Again, him out. Again,
1: 12 days.
0: Yes, 12 days since his daughter right. was murdered. And then Hawk uh, reports that no one's seen the one-armed man at his hotel in two days. He's still missing from when he disappeared at the police station which is not a great look police station could right. you keep an eye un- Well he
1: scrambled out of the bathroom. Yes. E- right.
0: Yeah. But like it's the police station and they don't know where like a man right. disappeared from the police station. You should have cameras at the very well, least. Also Maybe they did.
1: Casual about it
0: too. Yeah. No they are. Oh, he just disappeared. 2 days. That's a, that's weird. Right. And that's all we get of that for the first episode because heists. So the heists are done. And then, uh, right at the beginning of the for- episode 14, Cooper meets Gordon at the ho- station house. Gordon's like, Albert says, you're over your head, and he delivers an anonymous letter that was delivered to Cooper's home address, which is from Cooper's former partner, Wyndham Earl, which I believe is going to set up a mystery for the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. But guess what, Twin Peaks? I don't care about Wyndham Earl. <laughs> And then we get a little quick James and Maddie saying goodbye to each other, because Maddie's like, I think it's time for me to bounce. Like, there's no real reason for me to be here. Leland's Mm -hmm. clearly better. Sarah's Sarah. I need to go back to Missoula, Montana, where I have a life and people don't keep calling me Laura.
1: And where I can stop killing people. Stop me before I kill again.
0: Well, the other thing about her, too, is, yeah, you, please don't complain that you've come into these people's lives looking like their dead friend, and then they treat you like their dead friend. Get out of these people's lives. Right. <laughs> this is on you as much as it's on them now.
1: But I really feel the disaster, um, and particularly later, the disaster of the orchid... Um, yeah, heavily lies right.
0: on her shoulders. For going along with... It wasn't her plan, but stop going along well, with yes, these dumb maybe
1: she is the most reasonable character of the scooby gang there you know i'm the person who's like i've had enough one man was beaten unconscious another man's dead yeah i i really shouldn't be here any longer i'm not going to solve this mystery i'm not a professional detective time to go i have no ability to stop this from happening i keep anticipating more trouble by just being involved so yeah let me get out of here sorry it's been it's not been it's not been fun it's not been nice (laughs) peace out you don't
0: want me i'm out And then we're back at the station house, and, oh, they found the one-armed man. I lost in my notes how they found him, but they found him. So they're interrogating him, and he is begging for his medicine, and Cooper asks if he suffers from schizophrenia and um, they say if we give him the medicine, we're never going to see the other side. So Cooper's like, you can't have your medicine. And then he has a seizure, and then he starts speaking in like a weird voice, and he says his name is Mike, and he's an inhabiting spirit who takes possession of the vessel Gerard from time to time. He said Bob was his familiar, which is different than the way that I understand familiar to be and that they used to kill together until Mike saw the face of God chopped off his arm. And he says that he cannot reveal where Bob comes from, but when Cooper says, what does he want, uh, Mike says, he is Bob, eager for fun, wears a smile, everybody run. Thanks for that, Dr. Seuss. (laughs) Um, Mike explains about, like, they're parasites and Bob needs a human host to feed on. So this is what David Lynch has done. He has given us uh, basically an exorcism situation. He, somebody somebody is inhabited by a demon that likes to kill girls. Fun.
1: I wonder who it is. <laughs> I did not know going into this, and this shows you my ignorance of, of everything around Twin Peaks, that eventually we're going to get dark fantasy that we're getting something that's very much in the vein of Algernon Blackwood, the spirit that lives in the woods that possesses people and forces them to do terrible things.
0: I was apparently not far off when I said not far off. Ago. You were pretty close, but I don't <laughs> think it inhabits the woods. Well, maybe.
1: maybe. Well, that's what the bookhouse boys said.
0: Yeah, I guess. So then Cooper's like, "Where is he now?" And we get this thing, which I think we all, including Cooper, said what the what the response was. He says, a large house made of wood surrounded by trees. The house is filled with many rooms, each alike, but inhabited by different souls night after night. I'm like, that's a hotel. Go to the hotel. He's at the hotel. And then Cooper is like... (laughs) Right. And then we're at the final episode. Dun, dun, dun. Final episode. The next morning, Truman tells the officers that everything is ready to go to the Great Northern. The one-armed man is going to go and be in the lobby, and like, they're going to wait for him to freak out, basically. Mm-hmm. He's going to be like their little, um, what's it called?
1: Um, sort of like a Geiger counter. Geiger
0: counter. counter, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was doing this weird wavy thing with my yeah. hand, <laughs> like watching the levels so of I radiation. Sign like fish. Meanwhile, Coopers sends Hawk to investigate the diary. Um, the pages from the diary found near the train tracks um, and the diary that Donna told them about at Harold Smith's. Gordon Cole goes to leave. Why? Because David Lynch is directing this episode and they got time to be in the front of the camera and behind the camera. Um, so we're up at the Great Northern where there's a bunch of sailors playing ba- playing with bouncy balls. <laughs> what? <laughs> but that is what's happening. Right, that is, is legitimately what is happening. Um The police are bringing everyone in the hotel, guests included, in front of Mike to see if one of them can be identified as host body. Uh, Mike looks at each and is like, no, 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 and then has a seizure as Ben Horn comes in to say, what the fuck are you guys doing at at the lobby? Or at my hotel, what are you guys doing? And um, so later, Cooper tells Harry... Uh, that Mike passed out just as Ben Horn entered the room, and so now that's looking more and more like he might be Laura's killer,
1: which is mm. why they
0: go and arrest him,
1: not knowing that this is simply a
0: meanwhile, name
1: <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> yes, meanwhile, um, we we get a glimpse over at the Palmer House. Louis Armstrong's "What a Wonderful World" is singing or is playing on the. Um, Record player, mm-hmm. and Maddie is like Leland, Uncle Leland, Aunt Sarah, come sit with me. It's time for me to go back to Missoula, Montana, where I have a job, and an apartment, and a life of my own.
1: You're actually giving a better line reading than she did. Was it bad? No, no, no better than she did. I think. She no, hers kind of, was hers oh, bad. Yes. I don't remember hers
0: being so bad. It was. Yeah. she might have known it was coming. Sarah doesn't want her to leave. Leland's like, she's a young lady. She needs to go live her life. Look at me. I'm totally fine. We're good. We got this. And Maddie's like, I'll totally come back and visit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. No, she will not.
1: Uh, then She could, you know, given the propensity for people to come back and visit in strange shapes, possessing different vessels. This couldn't entirely be the case. <laughs>
0: So then Cooper is uh, like reading the different parts of the reconstructed diaries. There are repeated references to Bob with descriptions of abuse and molestation since early adolescence. Bob is referred to as a friend of her father's. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, another entry says she will tell the world about Ben Horn one day. So Cooper's like, ooh, this motherfucker. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> So then it's nighttime, Maddie is packing. Well, we don't know where Maddie is. Oh, Sarah starts crawling down the hallway like like one of those girls in a horror movie, just crawling down the hallway sort of disoriented. We can't tell if she's drugged. She's not bleeding. We don't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. And the record is just spinning on on the player, but it's just static. There's no music. It's done. Um, Sarah's crawling through the house, and before she passes out for good, she has a vision of a white horse in the living room. Behind her, Leland adjusts his tie in the mirror, as if nothing strange is going on, and the record player is still spinning. Um, And then we get sort of a crossover. Um, At the roadhouse, Donna and James are sitting in a booth, and Donna feels bad about what's what's happened to Harold, because somewhere in there there's still a soul and um james is like it's nobody's fault
1: it's absolutely okay james positively your yeah fault. it
0: definitely would have happened if nothing if these girls did nothing right um then the log lady leads cooper and harry into the roadhouse james tells donna that maddie's leaving town and she's like i wonder why she didn't tell me but i'm like donna you've been openly hostile to this girl the last three times you've seen her and also caused her to murder a man so maybe
1: she just doesn't want to
0: talk to you anymore
1: she had bad associations yeah Bobby's there
0: drinking at the bar there are sailors at the bar presumably having come from the the hotel and and then Cooper has a vision of the band disappearing being replaced by the giant who says twice it's happening again and then we're back at the Palmer household. And Leland smiles at himself in the mirror and we see the face of Bob. Okay, Leland Palmer has sexually molested his own daughter for a number of years, all the way up until the time when he snapped and killed her. And by he, I mean this parasite inside of him apparently. And Maddie's coming home from saying bye to not Donna, probably dreams. And as she enters, she sees Sarah on the floor and it's like, mm, this is weird. And then Leland attacks her and beats her to death. Uh, it's really heinous.
1: And again, this is a real-time attack. You're watching it as it's happening every step of it. There's no cutting away. There's no... Um, discreet fade to black. You're actually watching her get, and it's getting beaten to death and it's really unpleasant.
0: Yeah. He like picks her up and throws her around. From our point of view, we see Leland, we see Bob, we see mm-hmm. Leland, we see Bob. He's kissing, he's sobbing Laura's name over and over again. Bob takes full control and then says, Leland says that you're going back to Missoula, Montana. And then he grabs her head and smashes it again into the picture frame repeatedly, killing her and then leaving her dying on the floor. And he pushes a letter under her fingernail because tradition. Right. (laughs) These things
1: have to be uh, upheld.
0: And then back at the roadhouse, Cooper and the Giant stare at each other and the Giant disappears back into the band that was playing. And like... Everybody in the room is crying. Like Donna starts crying, James is holding her, Bobby's crying, Cooper's looking around like something's going like something's oh. going on. Um, and then uh his face fades into the red curtains and we uh are done with that.
1: We're done with this episode. Killed a lot of Palmer.
0: So that's some dark shit. <laughs> um uh, just a little bit of trivia on that final, that murder scene, mm-hmm. the Maddie's murder scene was filmed with three different people. So the secret of who really killed her wouldn't leak. Mm-hmm. So um, it, we saw it being filmed with two people, the actor, Ray Wise, who plays um, Leland, and mm-hmm. Frank Silva, who plays Bob. Who does
1: great work, by the way.
0: And they also filmed one with Richard Boehmer, mm-hmm. uh, who plays uh, Benjamin Horn. Apparently... There have been various attempts to find it for DVD or Blu-ray releases, um, and but the footage of Ben Horn killing Maddie is gone. Like, nobody can find it. I bet David Lynch has it.
1: <laughs> Under his pillow, probably.
0: Yeah. So, and it's incredibly brutal. Uh, legend has it that ABC didn't see a full cut of the episode until shortly before it aired.
1: It doesn't surprise me.
0: Giving them no time to edit it. Um, furious uh, at him for delivering such a violent episode, which they were sure would bring about the FCC, um, Twins Peaks was basically canceled at that moment. Really? Yeah. The next two episodes, after the next two episodes, the show was constantly preempted and then moved around the schedule, killing whatever momentum it had. And it turns out, and this is why I can't with David Lynch, this is like the ultimate fuck you David Lynch never wanted to reveal who Laura's killer was. (laughs) Then, (laughs) motherfucker, why did you make that the premise of your show? Um, He wanted to play it out even longer, but the network was like, uh, no, did you see the ratings after When we didn't tell people who it were, we lost a quarter of the people who were watching. After the next two episodes, the whole storyline is more or less fully resolved. And Lynch and Frost are gone from the series for several episodes, mm-hmm. so I, the voice is, the any narrative voice is going to like really suffer from that. Um,
1: so then, this uh, what you're reading is that the program, because of his inability to uh, work with the confines and the restrictions of the network.
0: My guess is that he was already going to step back right. because I don't think that they're, uh, clearly they have a tight turnaround.
1: I don't see him giving the, the commitment of time and him able to put in the full qualities that he well, would I want to. Well, I think once they
0: made him do what he didn't want to do for the uh-huh. entirety of the show, if he really didn't want to ever give the, r- reveal who it was, mm-hmm. he may have yeah just been like, well, here's who it is, now bye. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck what happens to the show, which is also why he didn't care that they were then pulling the plug on the other episodes, I guess. Um, And this is the final thing. This is a little David Lynch trivia. Um, His official biography, at Mm -hmm. least as of two years ago... um, doesn't list any of his films it just says eagles stick out in missoula montana (laughs) so he's from missoula
1: okay that explains that yeah that's why it's so
0: specifically missoula montana Mm -hmm. um but yeah so that's the laura palmer mystery it's icky and terrible um and it was not done fairly so Fuck you, Leland Palmer. Although he did some spectacular acting,
1: mm-hmm, he did Ray Wise was doing a really great job. Um, the ca- the guy bomb. Do you Bob.
0: think that they do? They had him go so crazy. I'm sorry, so explicitly, almost deranged by grief to offset the fact that or like to like really show it's not it wasn't Leland that killed her
1: that might have been what they were aiming for like
0: the, like mm-hmm. his character would never have done something like that it had to be this parasite that was inside of him even though Leland Palmer is totally fine breaking all of the laws for business right Uh, Yeah, I don't know. He's It's a... Like, I'm just wondering why they went so spectacularly sort of ballistic with the grief that he experiences. And, like, the...
1: Like, he just loses his mind. You would not think he was as good a performer and he wasn't going to give as good a performance as he did if you were watching these early episodes. No. Basically, he's played again for that weird element of humor... But
0: like, a really fucked up humor, because if you think that's funny, there's something wrong with you? (laughs) Like, it's not, he's clearly so damaged by the grief of losing his daughter. Does he not know any of his activities with her, prior activities?
1: He might not, and what makes it more disturbing is the idea that Laura was aware of it. Obviously, she is. Um,
0: she must have also separated the two.
1: Because she says it's a friend of her father's. Right. So which makes and
0: the, knows the name Bob.
1: Right. Which is really disturbing because, in other words, that she was at some point, uh, it makes it seem as if she's a willing participant in this molestation.
0: Right. But then you also see why she had so many jobs, right? She set right. meals on wheels because she feels dirty and guilty. Mm-hmm about right. what's happening to her. Like if you you can see it, why is she doing cocaine? Oh, to cope. Right. To cope. Because she's being molested I and hasn't makes molested. her
1: any more sympathetic. I mean she's a tragic figure. We start that out
0: Well the problem uh-huh. with the Laura Palmer character is we don't know the Laura Palmer character.
1: We never do, no.
0: At any point,
1: despite the fact that she leaves many, many, many journals and diaries yes, behind, yes,
0: very many journals and diaries. But the problem of writing when you're on KK cocaine is I don't know that that's a reasonable facsimile no, no, if you're not own.
1: a reliable narrator, and so her version of events is always going to be strange. It's coded, and um, I, I don't know.
0: And these people don't know themselves. They right. certainly don't know the people around them. Like, her friends and the other right. people, you know what I mean? Bobby was probably the person who knew her the best. The one that freaked out at her thing and was like, we're all complicit in her death? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, actually.
1: Well, because they were all going about their... Se- they were all like um, needles stuck in different groups. And they, weren't, they were not aware of her and what she presented rather than aware of her and what she was. Right. Or whatever her cries for help would be. Right. Because as we saw, if we take... Um, Oh, good Lord. Uh, The the girl who's tempting the man in the hot house. What is her name? Donna? Donna. If we take Donna's story for true, then Laura was a part of her sexual awakening. Yes. Now, whether or not she saw Laura as anything more than that, um, we don't know. Because she goes on about what a great friend she was, but she still doesn't know about all these other things that are happening. Right. And she way. doesn't understand... And she like, needs complete strangers like this like, pederast who lives in a cabin by himself and can't step outside. He's connecting her to her supposed friend. I don't think he's friend. a pederast. He likes having teenage girls. In These are
0: girls, but... This is why I don't like... Labels. That particular label. Right. These are post-pubescent right. women, for all intents and purposes.
1: Okay, so then... We
0: don't know that he had... People presenting as children, and that is He's what a pedophile is.
1: No pederast. No, exactly young woman. So we're saying then young women will agree to that then. Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. Inappropriately young too. Yes. Right. So but not children. Young woman
1: and this bizarre relation. But this is how she relates to her supposed best friend, talking to this person who um, was keeping Laura's diary. It's like, well, how. Good, a friend were you if you didn't know that all this was going on? Right. That she well, had all also,
0: you have the same. You are from the same town as this mm-hmm. girl. This didn't girl didn't move in from another town. Right. You're the same age as this girl. Right. You've had similar experiences to this girl growing up, and she is light years beyond you mm-hmm. in her sexual maturation when she's having this right. uh, experience <laughs> with the three boys and and things like that. And you never think to go, hmm, I wonder why that is. Like, I wonder, like, what's going on there that's so different from her when this is my first kiss and she might be, like, full-on doing two dudes? Like, uh, at no point do you ever just go, hey, Laura, how? what's that? Right. You know, like, what's... Do you want to talk about anything?
1: I think, aside (laughs) from that, too... well, the element that strikes me as realistic about the relationship between Donna and Laura, or Laura and any of the teenagers in town, is that they kept this all a secret. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, they just were not we going to tell the adults. We can't tell the adults, yeah. And that's very true to teenagers. No matter how bad things are, they're just not going to talk about it. They'll talk about everything else, but not this.
0: Well, and if any of them did know the truth, mm-hmm. an adult was the cause of it. Right. So it's like, well, who can we trust then? Oh, ow.
1: But, um... Something that I would like to bring up that I don't remember if I brought up before.
0: Okay.
1: Frank Silva.
0: Yes. He was a set dresser. A
1: set dresser who...
0: That's like lore. That was one of the things, yeah.
1: That's very interesting. It reminds me, there's a a film, um, Burnt Offerings where one of the extras turned out to look so sinister that they wind up hiring him to become the villain of the film. No, nice. Something similar to that. We're like, that guy's really creepy. He's giving everyone the creeps.
0: I feel like that's how Willem Dafoe might have gotten a start. No offense, Willem Dafoe. You're the best, but you're a weird-looking dude.
1: (laughs) You know, Phoebe Augustine is playing René Pulaski, is terrified of this guy. Yeah. And he winds up... um, There's... um, because there's obviously an odd flavor of synchronicity to all of Twin Peaks. So there, that's an element of of the uh, mythology of the show, uh-huh. um, of the characters in the show. But it, even during the filming of it, David Lynch kept taking the way that Frank Selva is showing up in shots and reflected in mirrors. Well, that was the where it started. Right. Was he
0: was caught while well, they were filming? He right. was caught sort of in this thing, this and he was like hunched down, all and they of these were. And a He sign was like. Down. This is what... Yeah, he has to play this character. Right. Um, and then... But it, yeah, it's the same as that weird long thing with the stools right. that was not scripted. It was just they couldn't figure out the stools. Or and I would
1: love to know if what we pointed out in the first episode when we were talking about it uh, was true, which is the exploding journal that... Um, that uh, I don't recall. Kyle McLaughlin opens up the journal and... Oh, yeah, where he basically just, like, just <laughs> destroys it. Demolishes and, like, it. I'm going, I think that was improvised, too, because I don't think that you could fake He probably, yeah,
0: that. because those things are so... Cheap, and so... Yeah. I think he probably was just like, oh, what if I just mess with it, and it just was like,
1: yoink. No, right. <laughs> and so, I mean, part of it flies off into the camera, and I think that was another moment where they just thought, we're going to keep this in here because it works. Yeah. And work around it, which is actually pretty good. I, I appreciate that. But um, but anyhow, yeah, yeah. This
0: yeah. So we've co- we've come to the end of the road, and uh, nobody's happy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's miserable. Well, no, Pete's happy, and Catherine's happy.
1: Catherine is such a character, though. I, how happy can you be with her? You yeah. Know?
0: Yeah. No, I don't know. Sarah's gonna need to relocate. Such a body. I mean, they're gonna really have to change that sign. <laughs> <laughs> so That sign that in the in the opening credits, you see a population sign, and I made a terrible joke the first episode that they're gonna have to make it around because it's like two hundred and something, right. something two hundred and one. I'm like, well, now they're gonna have to be two hundred, but they're gonna have to drop it down like right. seven or eight notches. Like a and lot of people straight up died in the last
1: twelve I liked days. They kind of. To be honest, I like the sort of adventure element of the the caper to rescue. Um,
0: I kind of liked the stu- the one-eyed Jack stuff. Right,
1: that that part of it I like because there's a, you've been seeing these characters, you know, the cop and the FBI agent and the, and his Indian tracker, Sheriff. <laughs> but Love you, Hawk. The thing is that you never see them actually doing any police work, or so, and here they're. Doing well, they can't.
0: They cannot. They don't have any warrants. Yeah, but
1: they're they doing something genuinely heroic and yeah. adventurous. They're actually, and then again, Hawk actually gets to be an engine, yeah. you know, throwing around knives and Stray rescuing people. Yeah. that dude. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah.
0: So that was. I, I liked those parts, um, but. But yeah. overall,
1: what was your problem uh, with it? Th- well,
0: it's the it's. Well, it's the tonal shifts mm-hmm. where I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't find this funny because it's horrific, mm-hmm. or I don't know why you want me to laugh when the next scene it's gonna be this horrible violence. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So the tonal shifts are problematic for me, and the just the not playing fair. Oh, it's a, it's a thing that doesn't exist in regular mythology. I've mm-hmm. made it up. It's like a weird parasite.
1: All right, but so overall, when you're looking at Mm -hmm. Twin Peaks, is that what got you the most, was the not playing fair? Because we discussed that from the very beginning. I
0: think ultimately my my need for um, a story and David Lynch's... um, Vision? Yeah, his visions and his um, narrative style don't mesh. If you're going to tell me a mystery story, Mm -hmm. tell me what the mystery is, tell me what the pieces are that are going to be solving the mystery, and then solve the mystery. But he wants to tell you what the mystery is, and then do whatever the fuck he wants for the next two to 24 hours of your life.
1: I'll tell you what I feel, and it reminds me of in some ways... I've complained about American Horror Story, mm-hmm. where I feel that the creators of this program don't understand horror at all. They understand the tropes of horror. They understand the yes. spooky houses and the bloody you know, throat slittings and all the other things that make up a horror story, but when it comes to the kind of metaphors, that got, they don't seem to understand it. They're, they're, they have a lot of... The subtext is not right, Ryan, Ryan Murphy's strength, um, I would say. But especially when it comes to the horror genre, they're really enamored of the tropes of it, but not sort of the substance of it. And I think that um, with David Lynch, I can say the same thing about mysteries. He's enamored of the tropes of mystery stories, you know. But doesn't
0: really give a fuck about the actual yes, mystery. and again, yeah. it goes
1: back to what I talked about. Giallo, you know, the Italian kind of mysteries, where it's all about how stylish the actual crimes are, not about who solves the crime or, or yeah. But here's a cool the cool thing:
0: Hannibal can make some stylish-ass mm-hmm. crimes and also solve them. Show.
1: Right. <laughs> like, but I don't.
0: I. Maybe it's because I love a mystery, mm-hmm. and I want to solve it. I want... My brain is constantly going, is it? Could it be? Is it this over there? And then... But David Lynch introduces a situation of, fucking guess all you want, because you are never, ever, well, ever going to figure it out, because I am never going to tell you that I've made up a totally new thing that is a secret from you. Well, so it's... um. And it's y-
1: like a Buddhist cone. Right. Which fits completely in... It
0: per- now that I'm thinking about it, it 100% fits, because I know he's a big transcendental meditation thing. Mm-hmm. He may be a Buddhist, but it is like, here's this thing that you just have to think about. There is no answer. Right. There is no answer. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Forever. I, <laughs> Until think, you reach enlightenment. And I
1: understand this point that he's trying to make. In some ways, but yes, it is really unfair to present you with the, the the belief that you can solve this crime and then just know it's a, it's literally...
0: Because that's how, and and it was packaged mm-hmm. and presented to you in this, who done it? Right. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, let's well, find this, out who this, done, this done it.
1: This is what you appreciated <laughs> out of watching, uh, not too long ago, uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yes. It plays fair with you. Absolutely. It plays fair. and you're given all the clues and seeing if you can outsmart the detective. Yes. And here you're given clues that are completely pointless most of the time. Yep. You're taking off in these digressions and have nothing to it's do with like the story. It's you,
0: like you've called it Twin Peaks because who killed Laura Palmer? Twin Peaks killed right. Laura Palmer. Well, that's a good that's who did it. it. So the entire town, everyone in it. Yeah. It,
1: yeah. We're all Plus just
0: really terrible things happening to young women for no reason reason is not a way that I particularly want to spend a large quantity of my downtime. if that makes sense
1: I'm aware of the fact that uh, Gaspar no, no does really interesting films I do not want to see a film where he has Monica Bellucci raped for 10 minutes on end
0: I don't need to see I an know, extended rape scene in any film that's ever, for what I
1: reason. mean in agreement with, with yeah. you there's some things that I don't want to see, and really oddly enough, the scene with the Maddie's murder is bordering on that one like, yeah it's I, I couldn't really bad without seeing that again, and it's not done to the level of explicitness that it could be done now.
0: and I'm concerned like that's enough. why I don't want to watch Fire Walk with me
1: mm-hmm.
0: because if I have to see her 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 die again, mm-hmm. and it is her dying again, it's the mm-hmm. same actress, I have seen it, and it was terrible Mhm. I don't need to watch this woman abused to death. Right. For, for what exactly? What am I supposed to take away from that?
1: Well, that's the odd part. Anytime you see a film like this, or a television show like this, you're thinking about it in terms of entertainment. Is this entertaining you? Are you not entertained? And I'm going, no, at this no, point, I'm, not, I'm not entertained. I'm not entertained. <laughs> like,
0: Michael Hanukkah uh-huh. is the, oh, I don't know. Is he Dutch? Danish? Ugh filmmaker who made funny games mm-hmm. um, which I have seen a part of the American version the English version but I tuned out 20 minutes in because I was like oh I know what we're doing these two people are going to torture those four people for the next two hours
1: and they're turning to the camera and smirking and about smirking about it. About, smirking it about how stupid the couple is so I was like allows us them, you
0: need to watch it stop and mm-hmm. then I read an article mm-hmm. with Michael Hanukkah and he was like if you are watching this movie and 10, 20 minutes in, you mm-hmm. feel like you don't need to watch this movie anymore. It's not for you. I'm not, and you get the point I'm making. Right. Like, it, so this movie is not directed at you. This right. movie is directed at the per- people who are like voyeuristically needing to see harm done to other people to watch that torture porn. And it's smirking to them so that eventually, hopefully, mm-hmm. by the end of the movie, they're like, oh, It's my fault. Right. Like, I'm the one who causes the violence. See, I
1: I have a... uh, And I understand that you've heard this point of view, too. Somebody needs needs to push the envelope all the time. I don't agree with that. (laughs) Maybe nobody. yeah. Because I think that sometimes it's an excuse to indulge in things. Oh, for sure. And when you're watching the work of some directors it just okay this and
0: there is are certain movies that I'm never ever right. ever 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 gonna watch
1: and I'm, I'm glad that I can get the advance warning and somebody can tell me look this is what but I also about.
0: do feel like make that movie give me a, a clear warning mm-hmm. of what it is because there are people who want to see it mm-hmm. and if it's not hurting anybody I'm not talking about actual ass nut films Right. if it's not hurting anybody fine I in my life Choose no.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> I can change the channel. I'm a, I'm a big girl. I cannot watch a thing. Um, and I look forward to the day where we are all as enlightened as me and read mm-hmm. what the human centipede is or what the Croa- the uh, Croatian film the Serbian, the Serbian film. film. Sorry, or Serbia and Croatia are the same in my head. Apparently, or
1: Solo, or there's a dozen other films we'll, I can mention. we'll, we'll get to a
0: point where everyone hmm. will be like. Society doesn't need this anymore. Nobody Mm. wants to watch it. We can put it in a box, in a. Yeah, because I. You know what I mean? And 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 we're done. Maybe
1: it's because of my upbringing, or not just my upbringing, my own religious leanings. There are some things that are just obscene. And it's like, no, I don't. But at the same time, I wouldn't go so far as to say it doesn't need to exist. But I do disagree with that notion someone needs to push the limits because maybe sometimes. I don't don't. feel
0: like anybody needs to do anything. But if you want to do a thing, and more power to you. Make whatever movie you want to make. I have the same power to go, no, I give don't that wanna, a hard pass. I don't want to
1: give the impression that what we've just seen is in No, that it's not. But it's there not. are parts of it that certainly were extremely violent and they did push the borders of what you could do at the time. Yeah.
0: Hey everyone, it's Amity alone in the editing studio. And as I was editing this that was going to be a two-parter, I found that The last hour and a half or so of pretty interesting conversation was recorded at the wrong play rate, and it sounds like demons are talking. I'm going to keep trying to fix it, but until I can, this is going to be a wrap on the Twin Peaks season of The Latecomers. So thank you so much for listening. Um, I'll do our plugs here. Uh, If you like the show, please subscribe uh, and rate us on iTunes or your closest podcatcher. We can be reached on Twitter at LatecomersPod. We can be reached on email, uh, latecomerspod at gmail.com. I'd like to thank the Freak Show Fandango Orchestra every time I do it wrong. The Freak Fandango Orchestra for our theme song, uh, Late as Usual. And uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a special interstitial getting to know you episode before coming back and watching a movie to start off Season 2. Thanks so much for listening along with the Twin Peaks, and we hope you enjoyed. Uh, and meet us at the Roadhouse at 9.30 for Michigan. Thanks. Bye.